Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, I'm Sarah. When people asked me and my husband, Matthew, about our birth plans, our answer was simple. We're doing it at home. So this is a podcast all about our home birth journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have another interview for you. We spoke with Maria Mangle. Maria has really awesome birth story in that she has experienced birth both in a birthing center and a home birth. So it's really cool that she brings both perspectives to the table. And her birth stories also tie in with a pretty big career shift of hers that would eventually put her into her passion of birth work as a doula, a childbirth educator, and a placenta encapsulation specialist. Now, how did Maria describe her home birth? Well, let's just say she said something along the lines of, dude, it was really hard. So I really appreciate Maria's candor. She's also incredibly funny and smart and sweet. And you hear all of that come through when she talks about her birthing experiences and then how passionate she is in her birthing work. And one of the biggest things that has come out of her birthing experiences is the need to trust that intuition. So we talk all about that and so much more. I'm really excited for you to hear the interview. So let's jump right in. Hey, Maria, what's up? Hi, Sarah and Matthew. How are you? Oh, we are awesome. Doing so great. Thank you so much, Maria, for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be here. Cool, cool. Well, like Matthew said, we really appreciate you. And just to to start it off, I really want to hear your journey as it led to choosing home birth, what that was like for you. I know you have two daughters, so you have a home birth and a non-home birth experience. So you have a a really awesome perspective in that sense. And so I I really appreciate and value that as I'm sure listeners will as well. So all of that to say, please share with us, you know, who you are and your journey as it has led you to home birth. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I started out as a music teacher a number of years ago And then whenever I got pregnant with my first daughter, um, kind of knew after that that I would eventually find another career path, which I have done and I'll, I'm sure, mention at some point. Um, But with my first daughter's pregnancy, after watching, as many people say, the business of being born, (laughs) Mm. I feel like that that conversation always starts that way whenever I talk to people who have chosen outside or out of hospital births. I can imagine. Yeah. So after watching that documentary, I kind of decided for me that I wanted to experience either home birth or a birthing center for my first birth. Um, In my state at the time, 
mid home birth midwives weren't regulated or able to be licensed by the state. And so I just kind of assumed that that wasn't an option for me, home birth, that is. So and what state is that? I'm in Maryland, Got the it. east sort of Maryland. So I, um, I looked into the nearest birthing center, which believe it or not, was about an hour and 45 minutes away from my home, was the wow. closest. Yeah, so we don't live in like a, a big city or anything. So I, I loved the birthing center and ended up choosing that as my birthplace, um, even though it was an hour and 45 minutes away. And the funny part is, is that I thought that the drive there and labor, that was like what I was most scared about. Like, how am I going to drive in two hours in the car? I can imagine. Yeah, but it turned out that the worst part was just driving there every week at the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, your appointment. So I'm like, I have to do this again. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, the labor, like, that was just one time. But <laughs> <laughs> So I hired a doula for that birth, and um, that's kind of how I got into birth work myself. After I hired that doula, and during that pregnancy, I just couldn't learn enough about birth. I was just reading book after book. I studied hypnobabies just like you guys did. Um, right. I think you did, right? Yes. Yeah. We did have no babies. I want to get that wrong, but I remembered you talking about it on your podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I studied hypno babies. I read a million births or a million books on birth and parenting and breastfeeding. And I just thought like, I just became incredibly passionate about the whole process. So, um, that birth came around. It was a super beautiful birth. It was like your stereotypical, stereotypical, um, hypno babies birth where, like the lights were off, it was dark and slow and quiet, and I was I was very comfortable. I didn't ever feel any like fear or anything like that during the birth. That's um, awesome. Were you turning your switch on and off as you were going into different levels of consciousness? Yes, and and, and toward the end, the switch was just on. Right. <laughs> it was just it never. I never turned it back off toward the end. Um, I just felt like I was. It really felt like an out of body experience to me. That. Mm. Um, like I almost was visualizing being above myself and looking at my body, having the contractions. And I was just kind of like watching it happen, not actually being in my body and feeling them. It was crazy. Um, I totally, I totally get that. I I understand what you're saying. And I just want to interject for one second to have the kind of experience that you did and to even choose a birthing center. I mean, it's not, you know, you were influenced by business of being born, but I wouldn't say, you know, the average woman goes through the process like you did and can say birth was like that. Um, What else do you think in your life kind of supported you to make a decision like that and to experience birth the way that you did? Because I know some badass, powerful women with, you know, great outlooks on life, but do not relate to their birthing experiences the way that you just described yours. That's a good point because I also support I mean, I'm a doula now, so I support other women in birth, and I don't see this experience often, even women who come away with, like, super beautiful births. Well, I think part of it was, of course, the hypnobabies. I credit a lot to hypnobabies. Cool. Um, but <clears throat> after watching The Business of Being Born, and my husband and I had kind of started in our marriage and in our lives, like, taking more responsibility for our health care and not always like turning to um, like different systems for answers for ourselves. And so I think that that kind of played a part in it and like influenced our decision to do that or to go to the birthing center, you know. And throughout my pregnancy and throughout my study with hypnobabies, I came to a place of just complete trust in the process. And I worked through all of my fears. I had a fabulous doula who 
helped me process all of like the fears and doubts that would come up um, or like the what if questions that of course come up all the time. Um, and I think that going into the process, I had, I literally had zero fears. And I think that that is played a big part in it because nothing, whenever I was in labor, I was never scared. I just always knew that it would work out the way it was intended to work out. And then I also accepted that if, if something did happen that wasn't the, you know, my original plan, I accepted that I had the right people there for me that I trusted to take care of it, you know, and that sometimes life doesn't always work out the way you expect it to, but. Wow. So when you say trusted the process, I love that. And it's, you trusted your process. You trusted your body, not, not the process that a doctor or some other authority figure has created and kind of pushed upon you. Like you took it upon yourself to trust you. Right. Yeah. And I did, I really did. And I even trusted that if my body for some reason became, or if my birth became an emergency for some reason, which of course does happen. Right. I trusted that that was the way that my story needed to go and that I would accept it, you know, and thankfully it didn't, but I think, I really think I would have come to a place of acceptance about it. Had it, had it happened. That is some healthy conversation around birth. I love it. Yeah, it's hard to do, but but I think that preparing yourself for it is is like the key. It was for me anyway. So Maria, who was on your your birth team? Because you talk about the preparation, you mentioned your doula and your support. Um, who who else did you have with you there during this birth? It, I had me and my husband, of course, my doula who lived with me or not with me, but on the eastern shore um, nearby, and then. We met my mother at the birthing center. She lived like the same distance away, but on the west side. So she met me there. Um, and then at the birthing center was a team of midwives who, um, you know, you just kind of get whoever's on call, of course, and then a nurse. So at my birth, it was just a midwife, a nurse, me, my husband, doula, and mom. That's awesome. Yeah, it was That's really so cool. And you know what's really especially cool is my mom. My mom birthed four babies, um, all in a hospital, and is also a, a nurse in a hospital, and so has witnessed birth in the hospital sense, but had never witnessed birth outside of the hospital. And um, I think, I mean, my mom had a lot of trust in me and accepted my plan and totally supported me, but I have to be honest with you, I don't think she expected things to go the way that I told her I thought they would go, and she was pleasantly surprised to see the way that birth can look. Um, in an out-of-hospital setting. That's amazing. I, I, I have a big smile on my face because that sounded a lot like my experience with my mom because she's a nurse. She gave birth to three kids in a hospital Ooh. and witnessing our home birth because she was on our, on our, um, our birth team. She was present. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of shifted a few things for her. So that's very cool. I love hearing that about your story. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm so glad that she was able to witness that and have that experience too because I I remember her telling me that she went back to work after the birth and telling the nurses, like, you wouldn't believe this. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that's so cool. So cool. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, 
Download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Awesome. Okay, so that was first birth experience. And then how, how did you shift from that moving into second pregnancy and understanding that you wanted a slightly different experience? Well, um, first of all, the birthing center was two hours away. And I was thankful to have been there, but I knew on my way, driving home the next morning after that birth, I had to like strap my little baby into the car seat and sit in it. I mean, it's not comfortable to sit up after a birth, but I was sitting up in the back seat for this two hour drive. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had just given birth like a few hours before and already I was planning my next one. But, um, which also is kind of sheds light on the difference between my two birth experiences because after my first birth I was already like planning the next one and after my second birth immediately afterward I was like I'm never doing this birth that is birth I thought I'm never having a biological child again no. <laughs> <laughs> I've come around it only took like a day <laughs> but yes it's nature's way you you forget they nature wants you to forget <laughs> yes I'll get I'll get to that I'm sure yeah. it's funny how different your birth experiences can be mm-hmm. But um, part of the reason why I chose a home birth a second time is not just because I had to do the drive. It was because even though my, my first daughter's birth was super beautiful, calm, peaceful experience, like everything really did evolve the way that I had visualized it evolving. I even remember hopping out of the birth pool after I birthed her and laying down in the bed and saying to my midwife, like, that went exactly like I thought it would, oh, which is so crazy. Cool. And so just out of curiosity, how long was the whole process of labor? And you, you, you mentioned you birthed in the pool? Yes. Okay. The whole process was, um, from the very first contraction, it was about 31 hours. Okay. And then from like active labor, maybe like 18-ish hours or, you know, something like that. I don't know. Time's crazy when you're in labor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, I was only at the birthing center for three hours before she was born. So okay. I was just there toward the end. And I spent the majority of that three hours in the pool, including yes. her birth. Um, but part of the reason why I decided on a home birth next was because, not because I didn't like my midwife, but because I realized that having her there kind of made me, and I didn't know her that well. I had only met her in one or two appointments during my pregnancy. But I realized that I wasn't as relaxed as I could have been if I felt more comfortable with her or if I knew her better, if I trusted her more. Um, because there were some things that happened that, um, like, for instance, like, she was a little bit aggressive with, like, the birth of my placenta, which in my brain I had envisioned being, like, a really slow and, and um, a really slow process that I was in control over. Sure. But I didn't really put that on my birth plan. It just didn't seem like something that I should have put on a birth plan. And I didn't mention it, of course, because, like, you're in labor. You just birthed the baby. Yeah. So, like, little things like that happened where she was kind of taking over control of certain aspects of my birth that I didn't want to give control away. And But you're in the the present birth. And it's really hard to, like, express yourself, of course, as I'm sure you know. 
Yes, and I so, totally agree. And so, like, looking back on the experience, I realized that, like, those things were kind of taken away from me without my permission, and I and I wanted control over them. Um, and I feel like most birthing women deserve control over their bodies. And it wasn't that she did. She really was a fabulous midwife, and it really was a fabulous birth. It just kind of felt a little bit like, like it didn't, a lot of things didn't go the way that I envisioned them going. And they were so little that like, I would say 99% of the birth was amazing. It was just these little things. And so I knew I'd be more comfortable. I knew I'd be more safe in my own home. Hey, so that's, that's the way I chose the second time. So I'm, when you said the word safe, that kind of perked my ears. What do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> that's a good question because I feel like safety, I feel like a lot of people envision or think about the word safe as like statistically safe or like, you know, they want to go into the evidence of home birth or they want to go into the evidence of midwifery care versus, obs you know, obstetric care. And I really didn't view it that way. Um, I don't think safety always has to be a percentage or has to be numbers or has to be evidence. I think safety just means how you feel safe. Like I didn't feel safe when someone was pulling out my placenta without my knowledge. Mm, um, yeah. Or I didn't feel safe whenever my midwife had her hands. Um, she was doing like uh, perineal massage, mm -hmm. which a lot of women actually really love. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all, but I didn't like it and it didn't feel good to me. Mm. And I was so in the zone and in my space of birth that I didn't feel like I could say anything. Right. So, like that didn't make me feel safe at all. And so um, I knew that I would feel safer in my own home. And I really do believe that whenever, as women, we're feeling more safe, more comfortable, more trusting of our people and our surroundings, that we will birth more safely, yeah. you know, statistically anyway. So, um, so I knew that that was best for me this time. I think that's awesome. And like you said, you know, they might have been little things. But who cares? I mean, at the, the level of awareness you seem to have around yourself and how you experience your body and your surroundings, you're going to be so sensitive to those little things and you're going to be attuned to them. So why not make shifts for the second time around to create the most conducive environment for your safety and overall, you know, well-being? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that not everyone, you know, it's different for everybody because some people don't, those things aren't a big deal to them or they you know, there, there are other things on their mind or they do feel more safe with having someone there to be in control of certain aspects. And I think all of those things are totally fine. Um, you know, it was just personal preference. Sure. Sure. Okay. So let's get into some details of your home birth. Set the, the scene for us. Well, my home birth was a little bit different than most people's home birth because I planned a free birth or what some people call an unassisted birth. So, okay. So I planned a birth without hiring a midwife or doctor. Fascinating. Yes. This is awesome. So does that mean you, they weren't present at the birth or you didn't even like do visits with a, a midwife or a doctor? Neither. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And it, it's, I, I understand that it's like, that's really out of the box. Um, and I do think that like in the future, I'm open to hiring a midwife. For me though, there wasn't a midwife to hire. <laughs> That's kind of how I ended up there. Um, mm -hmm. It's not that I don't like midwives or doctors or anything. It's just there, the opportunity wasn't there for me. And I was completely comfortable and completely prepared doing it without one. So I felt 100% safe um, that way. And I also 
because I'm a doula now, I, I became a doula in between the first and the second birth and went through all of that training. And then, of course, I have had, you know, like I said, like I'm passionate about birth. I read about it all the time. Um, I felt totally prepared and I felt prepared to um, request the help of medical care providers if and when I needed it. So, um, so you did have backup and contingency plans? Oh, they were printed out. <laughs> I'm definitely like a planner and an organized person. So I had like a printed out backup plan for any potential, um, you know, anything that would go outside of the, the normal birth process. And my husband was aware of it, like little things like, if this happens, I want you to do this. And right. this. <laughs> so I was super prepared. And I think that what the, there's like a, I think a lot of people, whenever they hear about free birth or they hear about home birth, even they think that that's like an irresponsible choice. Oh and yeah. I, I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you're my hero and my mom's nightmare. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I've heard both of those. <laughs> a lot of people have told me both of those things. Um, but I think that like, I forget what I was going with that. Uh, people's perception of free birth or yes, people's perception of free birth is that it's, or even home birth is that it's super irresponsible. Like, how yeah. do you birth outside of the hospital where your baby would potentially, I don't know, you hear the craziest stuff. Like, what if your baby's born and it's not breathing? Or yeah. what if the baby dies? And you're like, oh my gosh, why in the world would I ever? But those aren't sensitive things. But of course, they're things that people think about and they're right. worth exploring, I guess. But um, I felt like I was making the most responsible choice. I mean, I felt like I was more prepared going into that birth experience than anybody, than most people are. And so in that sense, I felt like I was, that was the most responsible thing I could have ever done. And it didn't feel nothing about what I was doing felt irresponsible. Um, so anyway, going into that birth experience, I also had processed a number of fears, different ones this time, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, and was helped through that by, you know, some friends and colleagues, other birth workers, my husband, stuff like that. And going in felt really, really comfortable and happy and safe about that experience. So I also in this time had accepted that if I needed medical help, I was prepared to get it. I was close to a hospital. I knew the numbers to call. I had people and friends who were more than willing to help me take care of that if it needed to happen. Um, but what I didn't expect is that at 41 weeks exactly, my water broke. Mm. And I was laying in bed with my daughter, who was like 19 months old at the time, because she had woken up in the middle of the night. And so I went in to go get her back to sleep, and I was laying in her bed when my water broke. And so I went back to bed and woke up in the morning, wasn't in labor, had no contractions or anything like that yet. And so I just assumed that it would happen really soon, um, because I knew the statistics which right. Like 10% of women, their water breaks before labor begins. And then up to 90% of them will begin labor in 24 hours. So I was like, okay, well, there's no, no rush here, no concern. And I was really excited because I was picking up my sister from the airport that morning who had planned to come to be there after the baby's birth to help me and my husband with like family stuff and taking care of my other daughter. And I was picking her up at the airport that morning from Georgia, coincidentally. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And um, I went to go pick her up. And I was like, listen, I my water broke this morning. This is awesome. You're going to be here for this birth. We're probably going to have a baby like tonight because 90% of women do, right? So 
Um, so that was really exciting. She had never witnessed a birth before. She didn't know a whole lot about birth, but I felt comfortable having her there because she was totally willing to just kind of fit the scene or like fit in wherever she needed to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like her presence would be a hindrance just because she didn't know a lot about birth yet. Mm -hmm. So I was super excited and she planned to stay with me for five days. So I thought, well, this will be perfect. She'll be here and witness this awesome birth in our home. And then she can help me out with all of the, you know, like helping with meals and taking care of my daughter. So I didn't start labor that day or the next day. Oh my gosh, where is this going? <laughs> yes. So I started, my doula brain, of course, started like doing all the research and I found all of this evidence um, that stated basically that it's a perfectly evidence-based choice to wait for labor to begin for up to 72 hours after your water breaks with no signs, of course, of like infection or no right. signs of anything else going wrong. So I was monitoring myself and kind of like looking inward and feeling my, you know, feeling how I was feeling. And I, re you know, I trusted myself. I felt like I was, no you know, everything was progressing normally. It just wasn't labor. So I thought, well, if the evidence says up to 72 hours, Maria? 72 hours. Okay. So, of course, the 72-hour mark came where we all just had been, like, hanging out and going to the park with my daughter. And at 72 hours, I still wasn't in labor. And I was leaking water throughout those days, too. So I knew I knew for sure that it was my water broke. So um, then I had this crazy decision to make. I could either go to the hospital or request the presence of, you know, a care provider or go, you know, see an obstetrician or something because my water had broken for 72 hours or I could wait. And my brain was like, but the evidence says up to 72 hours. And I thought, well, what about after 72 hours? And I realized there just isn't any evidence to no one's ever done it. <laughs> like no one's ever done research after 72 hours. So I don't know the answer. So I had to like come to a place of accepting that whenever the evidence runs out, that I'm responsible for these choices and that I had to listen to my intuition and listen to my body and listen to my baby. And I came to a place of just accepting that that was her story. And I didn't even know it was a her, but it is now. Um, <laughs> accepting that that was her story and accepting that this is the way that her story was designed to go. And of course I was on a roller coaster the whole time of um, what should I do? Should I not do this? Am I being crazy? You know, and I was still checking in with my body, checking in with my baby, and I knew that everything was fine. It just wow. wasn't. And so I s still waited. Um, and of course, like, of course, if I had had signs of infection or something, of course, I would have had medical treatment or, you know, requested help. But I didn't. And I was perfectly fine and healthy. And so was my baby. So we waited. Eventually, I did go into labor um, on the night of the fourth day, and I birthed her the morning of the fifth day after my water broke. So that is some like mama bear, like instinct type stuff. That is <laughs> yeah. so cool. It's so cool, but I have to be honest, it was not easy. It right. Was Hard. What was your husband doing, you know, during this, you know, in the past 72 hour mark, like I'm looking at this guy and I feel like even if I was totally cool, he still would have been like, uh, we're past 72 hours here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, my husband is awesome. 
and for whatever reason, I guess, I don't know, I don't know if I, like, told him this or if he just decided, but I think whenever it came to this birth, he just trusted that I knew. He just trusted that it was, it was my birth and my body, and he just put it all, you know, gave me complete control and responsibility and supported me, and and I think that if I had been like, hey, I think we should go to the hospital, or hey, I'm not feeling well, I think we should be checked out, I think he would have been the first person to jump in the car and drive me there. But I also, he never once questioned it. Never right. once. And so I, I don't know, that never even really came up. But now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, he's awesome. <laughs> well done, yeah, husband. He is, he's a badass. Well done. <laughs> well done you, too, to choose a man who you know would stand for you like that and support you either way. Yeah. And it was the end, he's a teacher. It was the end of his school year. It was in June, and he was kind of busy at school, um, like wrapping up his school year. And so he was just busy, and it was just me and my sister mostly hanging out during the day. And, yeah, he never once questioned it. He just kept saying, all right, well, if you need me, call me, and I'll come home. Like, okay. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So, um, anyway, my body did eventually go into labor, as I knew it would, at 41 plus 4 days. And um, it was a pretty short, like seven or eight hour labor, but it, it was really, really hard. Oh yeah. Really intense. Well, I didn't study hypnobabies this time. Okay. And after the birth, <laughs> after the baby did come out, I remember my first words were F that hypnobabies. I'm never doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so I funny. I'm so mad at myself for not studying hypnobabies because I realized what a difference that makes. Wow. That's a great testimonial yeah, for them. Yeah, now you know. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> well, Call them up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. So it was really, really hard. Super intense. Like the most intense experience of my life. But looking back on it, I'm glad it went. I'm glad it happened that way because I got to experience birth in two completely different ways. Yeah. First birth. Everything was dark and quiet, and everyone was calm, and it was, um, I like, I felt like, like, um, like the trickling waterfall music could have been playing in the background, even though it wasn't. It literally felt that calm. Mm -hmm. The second birth was not like that at all. It was, I was louder. It felt so intense. It felt like it would never be over, even though, of course, it was much shorter. And um, the amount of relief that came whenever my baby finally was born was just in, so intense. And I remember, I remember I said with my first birth, it felt like an out of body experience. This experience, I was so present in my mm. body. 
Like I knew exactly what my body was doing at every second. Like I was almost even visualizing and telling myself like, yep, I'm at seven centimeters right now, which wow. is ridiculous. How in the world would I know that? But it just felt like, I just felt like I was so present in my body. And did you birth, um, how did you birth this time in a pool? Were you on your bed? Yeah, we set up a pool in our bedroom. Awesome. Yeah. Did you birth um, in the water? I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then the only people that were there for that, my daughter was asleep because it was overnight. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she was asleep in the next room. And she always, up until then and still, believe it or not, wakes up frequently in the middle of the night. But that night, she slept right through the night. Wow. It was amazing. Even though I was loud. <laughs> um, but my sister was able to be there, who turned out to be like the best doula without training in the entire world. Um, she was fabulous. She just sat on the outside of the pool and held my hand. And that's all I really needed, you know. And um, my husband was there and he was helpful. He like held my hand and whatnot. But he was also taking care of a lot of the logistical things like, you know, like the filling up of the pool, as I'm sure you remember, Matthew, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just jobs are like, I need a drink of water. You know, he was like the runner. Um, but yeah, it turned out to be super beautiful. Immediately afterward, I told myself, I'm never doing that again. Mm. Um, because it was so intense and it was really, really hard. But then, literally, it was only like three days later. I was like, "All right, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dust that off." <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works. I, mean, I feel like it's designed to be that way. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. You mentioned as you were describing the the home birth process and preparation, the fears that you processed and went through. Can Can you think of you know some of the top fears that you had before and that on the other side you kind of moved through? Yes. Um, my top fear for my second birth was that I would need to transport to my hospital. Mm, yeah. Part of the reason why I was scared about that is not that something would happen that would go wrong, but that I would be walking into a hospital of care providers who didn't know me yet. Yeah. Because I had not had clinical care with them. And even the previous pregnancy, my clinical care was with a different practice. So. I'd be walking into a hospital with no, all strangers, no one knew any of my history or anything. Right. And I'd be in labor. So it would be hard for me to have perhaps like expressed to them the reason why I was there or what I was experiencing or what my symptoms were, you know what I mean? So it would have been really hard to relay that information without my husband's help. Um, and so that was a big fear for me. So the way that I processed that fear was kind of talking through with my husband about like I wanted him to be as to be as observant during the process as possible that way if we needed to relay this information to someone that he would be able to do that right um because i knew i would not have been able to and um and then i just also had to come to the place of i read some birth stories of some home birth transports um that ended both beautifully and then also ended kind of like in a traumatic way so um i just had to like kind of come to the place it seemed like the people who looked back on their births, their home birth transports as traumatic, were kind of like not accepting mm -hmm. the way that things had turned out. And I also get that, you know, I not to like diminish that experience or invalidate it, but I also realized that the last thing I wanted was to look back on this as a traumatic experience. So I just had to come to a place just like I did with the first birth that like that I accepted that life doesn't always work out the way you wanted to birth in the wild like deer that birth there are baby deer that are born that don't do the things that you know nature designed nature designed it that way of course that not everything is perfect and so yeah 
you know, birth isn't either. Even though I trust the process of birth, I recognize that it's not perfect. Mm. And so I accepted that if my birth was in the small statistic, you know, the small percentage of women who, where it didn't turn out perfect or things didn't turn out perfect, that I accepted that that was my baby's story and that that was the way it was designed to go and that I trusted that I would recognize those signs and get help. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's a really, really hard process to get through and it took me like the better part of my pregnancy. <laughs> But I eventually did get there, and I'm really thankful that I did. And I'm also really thankful that it, it didn't happen that way, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears a bit, you have kind of, you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, shifting career paths and, and passions, and you've done that since then. And so I'd like to hear a little bit about Thrive and what that is for you and how that's been impacted by your birth experiences. Awesome. Thank you. Um, after the birth of my second daughter, I opened up a business, which just actually opened this past June. So we've only been open for about six months. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's really fun. to It's like a brand new baby. Yeah, it's your third baby. (laughs) My third daughter. (laughs) Um, And um, before that, I had attended a few births here and there. But of course, I was like postpartum with my first baby, nursing all the time, and then pregnant, and then second baby and stuff. So just recently, I've been able to kind of dive deeper into the birth work. Um, and I opened up a business called Thrive Birth Services of Delmarva. Delmarva is the geographical area that we live in. Um, yes, we, we looked that up the other day. We were like, oh, did oh you? that makes so much sense. <laughs> yes. Like when we read it out loud, it was, was like, so is funny. That, is that California? Because I was born in a city called Delmar. I'm like, oh, maybe that's near oh, that's, California. No, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. It's yes. like of the three of those states that are on the eastern side of each of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, isn't that funny? <clears throat> and there is a Delmar nearby me, too. Oh, there you go. Nice. Which is funny. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I opened that business in June, and um, there are some doulas who work for our, for our business that are, like, subcontractors. And I offer a childbirth education class. I attend births as a doula. Um, I am a placenta encapsulation specialist. And we just added a breastfeeding class. And I am certified as a bereavement doula as well. So, yeah, we offer a variety of services and we're just still growing. So I'm really excited to be continuing growing that in our area and to continue serving women and families. Wow. That's that's so, so cool. I love all of that. Um, I had my placenta encapsulated, so I still have those babies hanging out in the freezer for rainy days. Oh, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very cool. So weird, but it's so cool. Oh, I know. When I told my mom, she just kind of did the eye roll. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) We'll say that. In fact, I was at a birth yesterday where the OB, it was in a hospital, and the OB said, you're not taking your placenta, are you? (laughs) Gosh. I don't think she meant it that way, and that they weren't actually taking their placenta. But, but yeah, I mean, even people who work in the the birth world are kind of, you know, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think it's also very cool. I think it's very cool that you were so inspired by your births that you started this business to help other women and families. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, most of the, most of the births that our doulas attend are in hospitals, um, and there, it has given me like quite the experience to be able to share with potential clients and clients because I have experienced hospital birth from the other side. Um, and I've experienced birth center and home birth from my own perspective. And so I'm able to kind of like relay a lot of the information. So 
whenever someone's looking for a certain experience, I can kind of like help guide them to um, their options for what they're looking for. And most women are looking for a hospital birth. And I think that's awesome. And I've attended some amazing, beautiful hospital births too. And um, I just love attending births in any location personally. (laughs) It's so valuable that you can give that perspective and that you can be a resource. Because I mean, that's Part, the main reason why we started this podcast was because when we were doing our research, we just fell short of, of powerful, honest resources. And so, you know, you have that experience of attended the, attending hospital births, having a birth center birth, and a home birth yourself. So you're just like this, this wealth of amazing experience and information for the people that you work with. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people are like you and I that are look, they aren't looking for they aren't always looking for like research papers. They don't want to know yeah. the mm-hmm. really on home birth. Not that they're not important or worth researching, but like you wanted to hear from other people who had had home births. You wanted to know what it felt like and what it um, looked like. And you wanted to know what might happen and you wanted other people's experiences. And I think that's really cool that you guys are doing this podcast now because I've directed some other people who are interested in home birth to this podcast so that they could finally hear a real experience from someone else. Um, about what that might be like for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and like when we experienced our home birth, there were so many little things that we had no idea we would (laughs) come up against. And so, you know, and and those are the things that you aren't going to read about in the, in the papers. You you might stumble across it in an obscure blog somewhere, but finding like a centralized source for, for these stories and honest truths and the, the things that go well and the things that don't go as planned, that's what you know, we, we are doing on this podcast and that's why we're so excited to have you and just your wealth of information. Awesome. You guys should look up, there's a book called How Big is a Placenta Bowl. Have you ever heard of that? No, but I love it already. Oh, it's really funny. You guys would love it. Um, it's just all of like your random home birth questions that you wouldn't get anywhere. And because this woman was planning a home birth and she was like, how big is a placenta bowl? You can't Google that. Right. So she she wrote a book about all of those random questions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so cool. Right. Well, um, I'll look that up and include a link to that in show notes, as well as a link to Thrive for Thanks. anyone in the Del Marva. Now that we know what yeah. that is, area <laughs> wants to look you up and learn more about you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so I want to wrap up with a final question, and that is, what's one thing you wish you knew before your home birth? Is there anything in retrospect? I mean, you seem to have been a very prepared and well-centered um, mama to be, but was there anything looking back you were just like, ah, oh, like, I wish I knew that, or this is something I entirely under or overestimated? Yes. Um, I was prepared in the sense, of course, like logistically. I knew what to expect of the process of labor and birth and whatnot. Um, but what I learned, I would say the lesson I learned of my second pregnancy and birth, and I learned this lesson the hard way, was to trust my intuition to just trust myself and not always because I'm a research oriented person. I was digging through research about this waters being open for so many days. And I came to the place where it, none of it mattered, just 0% of it mattered because I was still healthy. And so was my baby. And I trusted my intuition and my baby that, that we were going to be okay. And I just had to trust it or else I would have driven myself insane. Um, and who wants to go into labor whenever you're so stressed out and crazy like that? That was the whole opposite reason of why I chose the home birth. So, um, yeah, I just learned the hard way to trust my intuition. And since then, and especially with my business choices, I have 
been trying to make a more dedicated effort to make more intuitive decisions because that's hard for me and like my personality type. But I've been learning and growing so much more because of it. So trust your intuition. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Move a little bit out of the head and a little bit more into the, the heart space yeah. is what I'm hearing. Yes, it's hard for some people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Maria, thank you so, so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I think you're awesome. I want to continue this dialogue with you and have you on future episodes to talk about more experiences or, or resources or just ways, you know, like you were saying, to empower um, women around birth in general and give them real, honest perspective on this, this whole crazy thing. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a complete joy, and I love listening to your podcast. Uh, thanks. And real quick, Maria, uh, tell the listeners out there where they can go to learn more about you or to connect with you. Okay, Thrive Birth Services of Delmarva is on Facebook and Instagram, and our website is thrivebirth.org. You can find me there. Awesome. Wonderful. So we will put some links to that in the show notes, and you can find show notes for this episode on our website at diahpodcast.com. Cool. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much. Have a good one. See you, Maria. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.